and uh, I am so excited to, to look at God's word this morning with you all. And um, so I, I want to invite all of you this morning to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Your handout there says 1 Timothy. And I'm going to say, please don't go to 1 Timothy. If you do, it's going to be just a whole different sermon that you're receiving. So if you would go to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4 this morning, we're going to enjoy some time in God's Word. I will say, this sermon this morning is going to be a bit of an abnormal sermon for me to share and for you to receive for a couple reasons. This technically is, would be what's known as a response to the call, a response to the affirmation of the church, and our hearts are overwhelmed with gratitude for the call and the affirmation of Cross Point Community Church, the love you have shown to us. So essentially today, the next 30, 45 minutes, we're going to look at God's Word, and, and as awkward as this sounds, I'm, I'm essentially going to be preaching to a mirror. <laughs> I'm going to be preaching to myself. That kind of sounds weird, but it's the truth. Because from this passage of Scripture, there come some dynamic principles and truths for a pastor, especially a young pastor. <laughs> Do these things. And so this morning, we're all in here, and you're not off the hook because there will be application for the body as a whole. But I'm going to tell you, what, we're, what is being preached this morning is what my prayer is that you will hold me account, accountable to every word that I speak this morning. Every verse that is shared from the Holy Scriptures this morning in regards to pastoral ministry of preaching, my prayer is that you all, every single one of you in this congregation, would put my feet to the fire and accountability to these things. This is God's holy word we're dealing with this morning. And there are specific things said to a pastor and a proclaimer of the word of God. So please understand, maybe a bit of an abnormal service that way, but I think as we get through this, we'll find some, some good application for all of us. If you're visiting with us this morning, I just want to say we're so glad you're here. We're so thrilled you're with us. What we're going to hear the next couple minutes is explanation of the scriptures and application of the scriptures. Hopefully, by God's grace, that will happen uh, in this pulpit every Sunday morning. So, it's time to get to know each other a little bit, so I hope you're ready. We're going to start with a very important question. I should say maybe more of a confession. Uh, I need to know if there's any New England Patriot fans here. <laughs> Are there any fans? Maybe you're not going to hold your hand up, and I wouldn't blame you one bit. Okay, we have one here. I was kind of hoping we'd have to avoid the prayer for revival this morning for, and, and confession to God for the sins of our past, but no, completely joking. Um, but I wanted to bring this up because it really works well into the sermon this morning. I, in fact, I told my wife this morning, I said, you're not going to believe it. I'm going to start the sermon off this morning with a mention of the New England Patriots because she knows how I feel about the New England Patriots. Um, even if they're your team, great. Um, I will tell you in confessional, I've, I've sort of lost some interest in the NFL the last two or three years, but I still find myself pulling for my team, even as stinky as they are, the Denver Broncos, so, so I'll be cheering for the Denver Broncos. Are, th are there any Denver Bronco fans here? Okay, revival is in the house. All right. 
<laughs> no. Um, so I cheer for my Denver Broncos, and I find myself not just cheering for the Denver Broncos, but cheering for anyone that's playing against the New England Patriots. That is my confession this morning. Okay. <laughs> but as, as tough as that is, see, there's already people walking out. I'm sorry. For <laughs> um, I will say this, though, that as, as rough as it is, I mean, in our home and in Bronco country, we even term it different. We call them this dynamic duo, which they're, they're a dynamic duo. We're talking about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Uh, in our Bronco country, we affectionately call them, you know, like Bill Bellyache or Bill Belichick or Tom Baby. That's my son calls him. Something of that nature. But however you look at them, I want to just mention this acknowledgement that they get the job done. Even if you're a Rams fan, I hear an amen from this section over here. All right. They, they get the job done. I, I was thinking the last 18 years, of nine of those 18 years, they have been in the Super Bowl. As much as I hate cheering for them and, and really won't cheer for them and cheer for everybody that's against them, they get the job done. Six of those 18 Super Bowls have been won by the New England Patriots. A third of the Super Bowls the last 18 years have been won by them. And in 2014, Bill Belichick, who if you ever watch his interviews, they're great, because you could place one interview in every interview. Stone cold face answers yes, or a simple answer to almost every single question coming his way. But I'm going to tell you, he instituted a mantra in 2014 that has taken off. It really has. And maybe you understand it. He says, get the job done. That's what he te teaches his teams. In fact, reluctantly, I put it up here. Do your job. He comes together with his team, and as a coach, I can kind of admire this about him. He kind of puts the fluff aside, and he says, New England Patriots, do your job. Do what you were brought here to do. In fact, I mean, the franchise quarterback sometimes. We've got this dynamic duo, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, the franchise quarterback, sometimes the coaches kind of just kind of coddle him a little bit and like, hey, it's okay, bad game, you know, we'll get better next week. That's not Bill Belichick. I read sources where he'll bring Tom Brady into the room, intentionally show film of him messing up, and look at Tom in front of all the others and say, Tom, do your job. <laughs> do your job, Tom. Well, I want us to go to this passage this morning, maybe with not quite as much harshness and straight face as Bill Belichick, but instead of do your job, Tom, it's do your job, Tim. <laughs> We're talking about Timothy. In the scriptures, this young man in the faith and the apostle Paul, having gone through years of ministry for the cause of Jesus Christ, writing to Timothy and say, Timothy, do your job. Do your job, Tim. So this morning, I want us to see what Paul shares with Timothy in chapter 4. If you look with me at verse 1, I'm going to read this, and then we're going to comment on this Timothy-Paul scenario. I'm going to get this off the screen. There it is. Thank you. No more patriots on the screen. All right. Paul says this in verse 1 of chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living 
and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, Timothy... Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, Timothy. What is this duo between Paul and Timothy? If you could advance one slide there, that'd be great. What is this relationship? This Timothy, receiving this letter that you have on your laps, 2 Timothy as the last letter from his loved father in the ministry, Paul. Paul, awaiting execution, is penning the last words of his life, the last known epistle that we have from Paul, is coming to Timothy. This Timothy, who was raised in a home where his dad was a Gentile, a Greek, very possibly a godless man, and very possibly having passed from Timothy's life, Timothy, having been raised by a godly mom and grandma who knew the scriptures, the holy texts of scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, and walked Timothy through these things. Timothy, who on Paul's second uh, missionary journey, joined Timothy's team for the second missionary journey and embraced the Christ-centered theology of the Apostle Paul. This Timothy knew Paul's doctrine. This Timothy studied it inside and out. This Timothy, on this, these journeys with the Apostle Paul, was most likely dropped off as a pastor at one of the, the toughest churches to be a pastor of in the New Testament, I think. It was the church of Ephesus. Paul was traveling with Timothy, and they get to this church of Ephesus. Paul teaches for a couple years and says, Timothy, you remain here and be pastor. So if you're Timothy, you're thinking, Oh, thanks for that, Paul. Thanks so much. And he leaves them there. As you go through First and Second Timothy, you find very good evidence that Timothy struggled in a, in, a, in a big way with timidity and fear. He struggled with a sort of this fear of man complex where he was constantly doubting himself. Where Paul comes to him and says, Hey, Timothy, don't let anyone despise your youth but be an example of the believers why because God hasn't given us the spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind that's this Timothy this Timothy who knowing that Paul his mentor in the faith Timothy known as the son in the faith of Paul knowing his mentor is about to be executed for the cause of Jesus Christ reading these words This Paul who had given his life to Jesus Christ. This Paul writing these things had been educated in some of the most prestigious religious schools of those days. Many people say that Paul was one of the most intelligent men, not just in religious circles, but all circles in the known world at that time. 
This Paul, who persecuted the cause of Jesus, now is promoting the cause of Jesus. Remember this story on the road to Damascus, him coming to Jesus? That is this Paul, who then after maybe, they they say estimation of maybe 10,000 miles of traveling for the Savior, he's imprisoned and ready to go, ready to die. I mean, we're not talking about just getting in a car and driving with a camper from Denver to Reading, <laughs> okay? This 1,500 or 12, 1,300 miles. We're talking about on foot or on ship. I mean, three times he was shipwrecked. 10,000 miles around the Roman Empire promoting Jesus Christ, establishing the church of Christ. This Paul gave his entire life for this cause, Now, he's writing to his son in the ministry, Timothy. And I would imagine as Paul's writing these words to Timothy through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tears are trickling down his face as he remembers back to Acts 16 in your account in the scriptures, back to the second missionary journey and into the third missionary journey. I I can imagine as Timothy is receiving these words, the tears are coming down his face knowing that very likely within weeks possibly, his mentor in the faith, is going to no longer be on this earth. He will be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And so it's with this background that we now read these very important words to Timothy. Timothy, do your job. (laughs) Do your job, Tim. So I want us to look at this passage this morning. Simply what we're going to do is kind of unpack this. I'm going to apply it to my life, and you're going to apply it to your life because these are things you're going to hold me accountable to. I want us to look at a couple things, starting with what's been up on the screen here for some time now. What is the primary exhortation of this passage? Okay, when you think about the primary exhortation, we're thinking about if you were to take one of the multiple imperatives, so imperatives would be commands from Paul to Timothy. This last series of commands to Timothy before Paul dies what would kind of be the main one? I'm not going to sit here today and, and outline all of the arguments for this, but I want to tell you there's very good evidence that the primary com- imperative of this entire passage is found at the end of verse 5. What do we read in verse 5? As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and then as a summarizing imperative to Timothy, he says this, do your job, Timothy. (laughs) Fulfill your ministry, Timothy. What does this mean? Fulfill your ministry, Timothy. Well, I love the, the word phrases here. Would you mind advancing that one? There we go. And I highlighted at the bottom of this, this, this uh, screen here. Fulfill your ministry. I love the word fulfill because what's being said is fill it up to its fullest. Don't leave anything lacking in ministry. The job that you're called to do, you better do it with everything you've got. Don't let any lacking. We're going to see in a minute in the illustration how Paul carries this illustration onto his own life. But he says, fulfill your ministry. What are we talking about the ministry? This is your assignment. (laughs) This is the word for service in the New Testament. Fulfill your service to God. Fill it up. Don't let anything lack. And then what's the example that Paul uses? He uses this example. For I am already being poured out 
Do you see a little bit of a, a really neat metaphor happening here? Paul, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, fill up your ministry. Why? Because my ministry is being finished and I'm now being poured out. Pour out as a drink offering. For I am already, he says, Paul says to Timothy, being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. And here's what Paul says, Timothy, I have fought a good fight. You know, I finished my race. I have kept the faith. What, what is Paul saying here? Timothy, do your job. Why? Here's one of the reasons. I've done my job. I've done my job. And Timothy, it's worth it. You fill up your assignment, Timothy, because I've completely filled up my assignment. And guess what? So much that it's about to be poured out. I'm about to be executed for the cause of Jesus Christ and completely fill up the responsibility God gave me. Okay, what is the quick application for a pastor? I said, I'm going to be preaching to myself. Here's the quick application for Timothy, as with any young pastor, young pastor, you are called to fulfill your ministry to God. Do your job, pastor. <laughs> fulfill your ministry, pastor. So the question then that comes to my mind as I read the scripture is, this is okay, how? How am I to fulfill my job? And, and, and when you go through passages of scriptures, it's phenomenal to ask these questions. One of the key questions in studying the scriptures is ask the question, why? Or ask the question, how? So let's first ask the question, how? How is the pastor to fill up his ministry, to accomplish his ministry, to do your job, pastor? How's that supposed to happen? Well, I think that leads us back to the primary source, the primary means, I should say, and that's in, chap in verse 2. Chapter 4, verse 2. Would you read with me verse 2? Here's what it says, as we just read a minute ago. Preach the word. How is a pastor to fulfill his ministry? Here it is. There's all this stuff a pastor can do. And, and honestly, these are, these are good things of shepherding. But the primary responsibility of a pastor, an under-shepherd, to the chief shepherd is to do what? Preach the word, Timothy. And then he further explains this through other imperatives. He says, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. What is Paul saying here? He's saying heartily proclaim, and that's the word preach. Um, sometimes in our minds, we, we kind of put preach and teach together, because it does happen in certain passages of Scripture. We're talking Ephesians 4. You find pastor, teacher together. But in this certain text, you find this word preach, and this word preach is more than just talk through something. It comes from the word that means to herald. It is proclaim it. It means to make news public, not in, the, in a soft sort of a way, but in a very confident, dynamic way saying, here's the amazing news that I've been given. This is a herald historically. Paul says to Timothy, preach or proclaim, and what, is, what are you to proclaim? Timothy, don't just proclaim your own insights. T Timothy, don't proclaim what you get excited about on, in the world around you. Timothy, I want you to proclaim something. Preach the word of God. 
Preach what God says. He says this, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. What is Paul doing here? Here's what he's doing. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, there's going to be times when preaching's not so fun. <laughs> there's going to be times when proclamation of the word, and you're so excited to share the word, there's going to be times when people are scratching their heads and saying, okay, that was okay. There's going to be times when it's not readily received. And what does Paul say here? Timothy, you preach the word in season and out of season. In other words, what? Preach it when it's convenient. And, Timothy, preach it when it's uncomfortable. Uncomfortable for you and, and sometimes even uncomfortable for the hearers, as we'll see in just a minute by the example. Preach it when you don't feel like it. I'm going to tell you, there's times when a, as a pastor and elder, there'll just be rough weeks. <laughs> there'll be tough times after counseling sessions or um, funerals. Or uh, I remember a couple years ago driving all the way across the country, again, a lot of driving happens in our family, but we were driving all the way across the country to get in there, get to the church just in time to stand up and perform a, a, a funeral for a little baby that was alive for four weeks. And my heart just torn apart. And now to go preach the word on that Sunday saying, I'm going to proclaim to you that God is so good. There's times when your heart is just at angst. There's times when, when you don't feel like getting up and preaching. And what is Paul telling Timothy? Timothy, you preach the word whether it's convenient, whether you feel like it or not. You preach God's word. What else does he say? He says, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. So what can you take from that? Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Basically what he's saying is not just when it's convenient, but also when it's uncomfortable. Not just when it's encouraging, but when it's a bit confrontational too. So I want us to kind of stop for a second and think about that. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. There's three words he uses here. The first two, reprove and rebuke, carry with it a bit of weight. The word reprove basically means this, to bring to light, to expose something that needs to be exposed. And Paul is saying, Timothy, when there's times when sin needs to be exposed, you need to do it. It's not always fun. I'm going to tell you, there's passages of scriptures that I'm, I'm working through before a Sunday, and I'm thinking, oh boy, <laughs> we got to go there, God, really? And God's saying through the word, preach the word, as Paul says in other passages, teach the whole counsel of God. Don't shy from this. Reprove, in other words, bring to light. He says rebuke, which means don't shy away from speaking serious words. <coughs> In our family, we, um, we'd listen to sermons and talk of them occasionally. <coughs> On the way out here, my son David and Eva were driving with me, and we, were list we listened to um, some preaching. And there's a term we have in our family for a pastor or a preacher that preaches the word but doesn't really preach the word. In other words, he kind of patty cakes around some of the truths of the scripture. We call it fluffy, puffy preaching. <laughs> It kind of made you feel good. It kind of made you feel really good about yourself. 
But as you're reading through the scriptures, you're like, dude, why did you stop there? There's an imperative here that you need to go to because this is going to help direct the body of Christ. My prayer to God is that I'm not consumed with fluffy, puffy preaching. (laughs) Then when it comes to the scriptures, when it comes to even a passage like this that says reprove, rebuke, it is taking God's word for what it says. And and I'm going to stop right there and say this reproving and rebuking is not based on my preference or my feeling. Please understand that because I've heard a lot of preaching that way. I'm going to reprove and rebuke you based on how I'm feeling about the situation right now or my preference in life. I'm going to tell you, what is the standard for this reproving and rebuking? It is completely the word of God. Preach the word, Timothy, Paul says. Reprove, rebuke, and then there's this other beautiful word. It's the word exhort. And this is the word in the scriptures that says to come alongside of. In essence, you can look at it. Put your arm around somebody and walk with them. I'm going to tell you, that's to me what I love about preaching. It's not I'm standing here pointing a finger. I'm standing here inviting you to come along. Let's put our arms around each other and say, hey, we're in this journey together. God's word is telling us this. Anytime a sermon comes from this platform, by God's grace, it's coming from a preacher that's saying, God, change my life first through this passage. And now we're going to walk through this together. And Paul clearly says to Timothy, Preach the word when it's encouraging, and also preach the word when it's, it's confrontational. <laughs> when, when someone needs to, to see in a mirror the truths of the scriptures, he says one other thing in this, and I, I love this. Absolutely love the way he ties this in here to Timothy. He says, Timothy, do this with complete patience and teaching. What's the takeaway from that? Timothy, preach the word When it comes easy, that means when I can just share truth and everybody says, amen. (laughs) Yeah, I understand that. And then there's times when the teaching comes where it's like, whoa, we're going to have to walk through this a little deeper. (laughs) We're going to have to go through this together. We're going to have to explain this a little deeper. There's some theology that takes some of of us, like myself, a while to understand. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, we're going to walk through this together. Take the word and preach it, Timothy, when it comes easy and when it takes labor, when it takes work. So, in review of what we've gone through so far, what do we have here? Paul, the primary imperative, the primary command to Timothy is do your job, Timothy. And how are you going to do it, Timothy? By preaching the word, Timothy. But then he shares an example here. He just shared a positive example of his own life, right? He said, I've I've filled up my ministry. I'm about to be poured out. Well, now in this point, I believe he shares a negative example. So if you'd follow along with me in verses 3 and 4, he shares a reason why it's so important to preach the word. He says this in verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears... I laugh every time I read that. Almost every time I interact with this, I just have to laugh because of the the amazing metaphor that Paul uses here. He says, but people have itching ears and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They will stack up for themselves people they like to hear from that make them feel really good about themselves. 
and will turn away from listening the tr- to the truth and wander off into the myths, into myths, things that have no grounding in theology. Okay, what is this? Paul says, there's going to be some itching ears, Timothy. You're going to preach to some people, and they're going to have these ears that keep itching. What is that? Well, we could go on for this for a while, and believe me, I would love to talk about this for a while. <laughs> but I'm going to say, to summarize this, itching ears would be something like this. They're ears who are put in a position to hear what they want to make them feel better. If you have an itch, you want to scratch it to make you feel better. These are ears that put themselves in the right position to hear what's going to make their ears feel better. (laughs) And it says this, these itching ears will suit their own passions. In other words, those who only put themselves in a position, again, those who only put themselves in a position to hear what makes them feel really, really, really good about themselves. What is this? As a, as a preacher and proclaimer of the gospel, you know what this is? This is an assurance to any pastor elder that not every time you stand up are people going to be like, yes, awesome, you nailed it. This is an assurance that, that sometimes it's not going to be received. And not just on my account, but on the account of doctrine. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's some doctrines in the scriptures that, to be honest with you, you need to go to some negative doctrines at times in the scriptures so that you can see the beauty of the positive doctrines. You need to interact with the tough things in scriptures so that you can interact with the beautiful things in scriptures. That's how scripture works. And Paul is saying to Timothy, be careful because there's some, they're going to just want to go to the good stuff. So Timothy, just because they want to go to the good stuff and itch their ears, don't shy from regularly proclaiming the whole counsel of God. Proclaiming it, Timothy, when it's convenient and when it's uncomfortable. Proclaiming it, Timothy, when it's encouraging and when it's not so encouraging. (laughs) Proclaiming it, Timothy, when it comes easy and when it takes hard work. Okay, so so far we've seen this. Paul to Timothy saying this, Timothy, do your job. How are you going to do your job? Preach the word. Faithfully, dynamically preach the word. Now I want to close out Paul's arguments with, with another amazing argument that I absolutely love because here's the question at hand. Why? Why should we do this? Timothy is saying, okay, thanks Paul, but Why? Well, I want us in our minds to think back to what he just said at the end of chapter 3. In your Bibles, you can go back to the end of chapter 3 because, you know, honestly, we, we love, I love the chapter verse designations. That's great, but those weren't put in until 1,500 years after this was written. So in our minds, we got to go back and think what was said just prior to this. And what does Paul say to Timothy? Look with me at the end of chapter 3, but look at verse 16. Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What's Paul saying here? Timothy, preach the word. Here's why. Here's the primary reason. It's because the word is dynamically worth it, Timothy. 
the word is amazing, Timothy. How does he paint this picture of the word being amazing? Well, I think you can start actually by going back another verse. We keep backing up. Sorry, we're not going to go to the beginning of the book. We're going to stop with this one. Look what he says in verse 15. Would you mind advancing that one more? There we are. Here's how it's amazing to you, Timothy. He says this, from a child, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. And just, just a minute ago, we mentioned that it was Timothy's mom and grandma that taught him these things from the word of God. And then Paul brought him along. He says this, from a child, from childhood, you have been acquainted with such writings, which are able to make you wise, Timothy, for what? For salvation. Through faith in Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying to Timothy? Timothy, here's why the word of God is worth it. Because God used the word of God to rescue your soul, Timothy. And I would wholeheartedly proclaim the same thing. Why? Every single one of us should we hold on to the scriptures with all we've got. Here's why. Because if we've come to Jesus by faith, what has God used to bring us to that? It is the word of God. God has used the Holy Scriptures to show us who God is and to show us the rescuer, Jesus Christ. Uh, by, by the way, I'm just going to put a plug in there that there's this theology sometimes that just says, hey, run to the New Testament all the time. Just stay in the New Testament, preach it to the New Testament or New Covenant Church. I'm going to say that as, you, as we teach the Word of God, this right here, the Holy Scriptures that Paul's talking to Timothy about, is actually referencing the Old Testament Scriptures why? Because the Old Testament scriptures leads us to the New Testament rescuer. This is what we proclaim. We don't shy away from talking about the beauty of what God did in the Old Testament because it leads us to the beauty of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And why, why Timothy, should you hold on to the word and proclaim it to fulfill your ministry? Here's why. Because you are saved because of the word of God. Here's another reason. It has been created by God. <laughs> okay, sometimes we fly through this statement, God's word, this designation, God's word, or the word of God. How many times on a given Sunday do we talk about the word of God? But I want to say, say dynamically here that what you're holding in your lap is God's word. It's his authoritative word. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1 further explains this and argument, argues this and says, hey, what you're holding there, it's not just because some guys thought this was a really cool story. It's because God himself moved on holy men to write what you have in your lap right now. This is the word of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. How does he say it? All scripture, and some of your translations will say, is given by inspiration of God, which is phenomenal. It is breathed out by God himself. This is not some mamby-pamby book telling us some cute little story. This is God's story. The beauty of this book. Timothy, preach the word. Why? Because this is God's word. And I want us to keep going now. So we just came to the end of, actually, you know what? I'm going to take just five minutes and share why this word is so awesome. It is fully capable for the entire life of the believer. I don't want to slide through that, all right? So it directs the sinner to salvation. It has been created by God himself. And then here's the point. 
it is fully capable to take you to the end. Your bags have been packed full, Timothy. Don't leave your bags at the airport. (laughs) You need these bags for your whole journey. Don't leave your tool bag at the shop. Take it with you all day of work. Why? Because here's why. It is profitable for doctrine. What do we mean doctrine? It's teaching. Why? Because this is to show us what is godly. It is profitable for reproof. This is to show us when we're not acting godly. It is profitable, Timothy, for correction. I'm reading in verse 16. Why? Because this is to redirect us when we're not acting godly. It is profitable for instruction and training. Why? Because when we've been corrected, this is what is to keep us acting godly. This word of God is intended to take us from start to finish. It's beautiful. In fact, how is this said in verse 17? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What's the point? Timothy, don't look elsewhere. Timothy, you have it in the precious word of God. Hold on to this with all you've got, Timothy. And I want to take this now application to myself and say, Andrew, Pastor Andrew, God has provided everything you need for your calling at Cross Point Community Church. Why? Because he's given you his precious word. Share his word. What's the key idea? And we'll wrap this up. Key idea is this. Pastoral ministry will be accomplished as the valuable word of God is faithfully proclaimed and applied. I mean, I want to say that that's not overly complicated, is it? But sometimes we mix it up so creatively. But I'm going to say, how is pastoral ministry fulfilled? It's, it's fulfilled as the word of God, the valuable word of God is faithfully proclaimed and faithfully applied. So what? So what? How is this going to make us any different as we walk out these doors? Well, I'm going to tell you how it's going to need to make me different first. Actually, we'll go with, with the congregation first. All of us different. Here's how. We must all faithfully receive and apply God's word. Because it's worth it. I'm going to tell you, when you come on Sunday mornings to receive the word, when you gather in homes through the week, when Bible studies happen on campus or in homes, that is intended, whether it's in youth group down at the youth center or the family center, Wherever it is, God's word is presented to be embraced. God's word is presented to be applied and to be held to with all we've got. Why? I'm going to tell you quickly. It's because we're living in a culture that says, abandon that book. Don't hold on to that book. That book that you hold so tightly, it's full of lies and contradictions. There's mean things that happen in that book the world around us is telling us. And I'm here to tell you, hold that and hug that and love that book with all you've got to the point that you can say, I love Psalm 19, with David. David says this, the law of the Lord, it's perfect converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord, it's sure making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord, the right rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord, it's, it's pure enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. 
The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than, what's the word? Gold, than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Teens, in your schools, there may be some that say, hey, that Bible that you claim, it's not worth it. I'm going to tell you, hold on to it with all you've got. This is the foundation for your life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in a world of full of um, skepticism, any ism you want, right? Skepticism, narcissism, relativism, pluralism, secularism, humanism, materialism, whatever you want, all of those are telling us that the Word of God isn't worth it. And Paul dynamically says it is. It's breathed out by God. So to close out, I want just a quick moment of pastoral application. What is the pastoral application? Well, simply enough, I commit to Cross Point Community Church to preach the Word of God. I must fulfill my call to ministry by faithfully proclaiming and applying God's Word, even when it's not convenient, even when I don't feel the top of my game, even when I don't feel like I have my best foot forward, I'm to bring God's Word to you. My commitment is that I will hold and love and proclaim God's word as best as I possibly can every single time we gather together. And by God's grace, you will hold my feet to the fire. This last year, I I watched a movie that I I wouldn't suggest it to all audiences, but uh, a bit gore and different things in it, but it was a movie called Hacksaw Ridge. (laughs) You're like, hey, you shouldn't be talking about that on the pulpit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, um, even though I wouldn't agree with Desmond Dawes, you know, his, uh, his stance, I will tell you, I have a lot of respect for his resolve. I love that. And at, towards the end of that movie, when after saving 70-some people's lives, he was injured and carried on in a stretcher. I don't know if you've seen this movie, but if you remember the end of it, and I'm ruining it for everybody who hasn't seen it, but <laughs> he drops his Bible. You remember this? And he's laying on that stretcher, and what does he say? My Bible, my Bible, my Bible. I'm going to tell you, that will be the heart cry of the preaching elder here at Cross Point Community Church. My Bible, my Bible. I got to have my Bible. And so, God, that is the call of our hearts. We thank you, God, for your precious word thank you for what it means to us. Oh God, if it were not for your word, we would not know the way to salvation. God, if it were not for your word, we would not know how to grow. So I cry to you, Father, I pray to you, Father, that you'd give us grace.